with our breakfast series we've called Reboot. Uh, because the beginning of the year is a good time to restart things and most of us are familiar with computers. Um, I, I had a great experience yesterday with an update for Windows um, that uh, sat on my screen saying your computer will restart several times. And so I sat there waiting for it to do exactly that. Um, and it, it's very easy, I think, to get impatient with computers because it took an hour or so. It was a fairly big update, I gather. Um, but I read the tips afterwards and thought, okay, it says it's improved the search function, because I don't know about you, but I have very nasty words to say about the Windows search function a lot of the time. Um, and with the reboot, guess what? They have improved it. And so it was worthwhile waiting for something to give a fresh start to really get its act together, hopefully in more areas than one, um, and give something fresh. And so that's what our series is about. It's about sort of, you've had a bit of downtime over Christmas, hopefully, and so it's time to reboot fresh. And we've, we've talked about our own style and how, it, you know, the style that we have affects the atmosphere of our home and our workplace and how we can utilise that to maximise the presence of God. We've talked about how to uh, have a, a, a mindset of actually looking forward in our life, setting goals and having a plan and a purpose uh, that matches what God has for our lives. And so uh, this morning, I, I think we're getting more down to earth after having um, pancakes and bacon with maple syrup for breakfast. Uh, it may actually be the, the, uh, the cold water of reality that hits us. Uh, we've got uh, Kirsty is going to interview Natalie Skinner, who is a world-famous nutritionist um, and health expert on uh, what we can do about 2019 and our gut. So will you welcome them both up here? Thank you. You take that one. It should Hello. be on. It's on. So, um, yeah, as, as Pastor Chris said, we're doing our reboot series and I think that um, thinking about what we eat in, and maybe – a lot of people with, with the new year think, all right, this year I'm going to eat healthier or maybe you want to lose weight, you're going to go on a diet, whatever you might be thinking or might have planned to do. Um, hopefully Nat can shed some insight and we had a bit of a chat yesterday um, and I think that hopefully this is actually going to be quite refreshing and perhaps a bit different to what you might thought, have thought she's going to say. Um, but why don't you first tell us about um, your qualifications, what you are, uh, what you do, um, which is actually a, a dietitian, not a nutritionist. So maybe even tell us what the difference is between <laughs> between a nutritionist and a dietitian. Um, sure. And yeah, about what you do and sure. what you've studied. Um, so I've studied nutrition and dietetics, and it's very usual to get you know confused between nutritionist and a dietitian. So to dispel that myth first, I guess a nutritionist is traditionally someone with work that works with um, a healthy population. So I guess just general dietary advice. Um, maybe working in food formulation, so with different food companies to make them a bit healthier. Sort of, I guess, what we would call population level health, whereas a dietitian, we train to work clinically. So we can work in hospitals with people that are sick, unwell, going through an illness, um, and I guess utilise something that we call medical nutrition therapy. So it's just going, I guess, the next level deeper in terms of the physiology and the chemistry of your body, so going a bit deeper into the science um, in a sort of one-on-one -on -one manner. So I am a dietitian. Um, I studied at Flinders Uni, and um, I'm also a personal trainer as well, so I guess health has always been something that I've been very interested in. 
Um, and I've worked clinically since I graduated. So I worked at Flinders Medical Centre. I've worked at the Repat. I've worked in the community in Berry, um, in the Riverland. And I currently work at the Hampstead Rehabilitation Centre, um, which is an inpatient rehabilitation facility for people that have suffered um, strokes, had a really long hospital stay. Um, we have the brain injury and the spinal injury unit there, as well as burns and amputees. So it's quite diverse. Um, it's quite challenging. And I also, though, really love looking at a bit more of, I guess, a preventative approach and looking at the mindset behind eating yeah. and trying to get away from this diet word, yeah, we'll <laughs> which talk, is what we're going to talk about we're today. We're going to talk about a bit more about that today. Why don't you tell us then why someone would come to someone like you or a nutritionist or a dietitian for something rather than just, you know, looking on the internet, looking on Pinterest for here's your weekly diet, what you should eat or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, so... I guess um, there's a really good little meme, and actually if I had thought of it earlier, I should have put it on the screen, but, um, you know, if you want to build a house, you go and see a builder. If you want to fix something with your teeth, you go and see a dentist, and, you know, there's a, this whole list of different problems and professions and a nice straight line, but I think often we find if you want to do something about your food, it's a very squiggly, confused line to get to a dietitian. you know? You ask your friends, you ask your family, you ask the internet the radio, the paper, a magazine. There are many, many sources of nutrition information and everybody eats, so everybody's an expert. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think that is to a level true. You are an expert in your own body, but I guess there's also the element of really looking at the science behind it and also looking at food is really complex. You know, it's, it's psychological, it's emotional, it's social. There's a lot of um, weight attached to food and it's really important that if you are... Oh, Ha-ha, Dylan, thank you. <laughs> Unintentional pun. <laughs> Damn it. Um, so there's a, um, there's a lot of things, I guess, that a dietitian is qualified in. So an example is something that I really value in my training is the ability to use a skill called motivational interviewing, mm -hmm. which is really looking at how do we change behaviours so that they're sustainable as opposed to just grabbing a diet sheet off the internet and saying, how crappy can I make my life over the next six <laughs> weeks? And how much food can I avoid that I really, really like? Um, there are many other benefits. That's being a bit extreme, but yeah. 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 Um, you mentioned the psychological side of it, which we were talking a bit about, because um, I said that I relate to that in that I'm, I don't like seafood. Um, the, only, the only seafood I eat is tin tuna, and I think because I had that as a kid, I was okay with that. But seafood, Dad doesn't like seafood either, so we didn't grow up eating it. But I, I don't really like the. Ta I've tried some fish sometimes, and sometimes it's, people go, "Oh, it's not too fishy," and I go, "Yeah, it's not too bad." But I, I, I still don't want to eat it. And I was saying to you, you know, things like prawns or um, you know octopus or something. It just it looks gross to me, and I know that it's a psychological thing. I look at it and I go, "I don't want to eat that." So what? Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in fact, I was at the hairdresser the other day and um, James was with me. We were looking through this magazine. There was this um, meal with these octopus tentacles and all. Uh, and my hairdresser said, you know, some people look at that and I, we couldn't understand how people could look at that and think, mm, that looks delicious because we just thought it looked so gross. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, the psychological side, you know, how would you address something like that? Yeah, so... I guess what that taps into is an understanding of why is that a problem, I suppose, because I guess the way that you're sort of talking about it is like, oh, I don't eat seafood, I probably should. And it's that real word should, you know, we know seafood um, has some beneficial health effects. Yep. It's very high in omega-3 fats. Yes, I mentioned, yes. <laughs> um, 
And so we talked about how sometimes psychologically you can have different barriers to food. So it might be that you hated them as a vegetable. Uh, as a vegetable. <laughs> I jumped ahead. You hated vegetables as a child is what yeah. I was trying to say. Um, I get the classic one all the time. People go, oh, I'm a dietitian. I'm coming to see. Oh, don't make me eat Brussels sprouts. Please don't make me eat that. And it's because, you know, they were boiled until their death when they were a child. Yeah. Um, so I think there are a lot of psychological connections like that. And so it's looking as to why you see that as a problem. So yeah. is there a reason that you have to eat those foods? Well, probably not, you know. God has given us a wonderful natural world filled with a real abundance of fabulous foods and it's really valuing the diversity that we have um, in our diet and our ways of eating, um, particularly in Australia. You know, we're very lucky. We've got yeah. some amazing produce here. Um, and so it's really looking at why you maybe feel like you should or you have to eat that food. So talking to Kirsty and using her example of seafood, she said, oh, but I know omega-3 fats are really good for me. They're the ones that are found in salmon, which is why salmon's so healthy. They're the good kind of fat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, well, you know, there's lots of ways you can get it other than in seafood. You know, it's in things like linseeds, walnuts, chia seeds. There's lots of good other options. Yeah. And so it's looking at that whole picture, I guess. Why is there a reason that we're saying we should eat that food when maybe there are different options that we, yep. that we could eat? Yep. Yeah. So it's okay to hate Brussels sprouts. Food. It is okay to hate <laughs> Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I'll yes. tell you who loves them. Ben. Where's Ben? And, I love and Mum. Yeah. Oh. There are some Brussels sprout lovers here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yes, it is okay to eat Brussels sprouts. (laughs) So you're not not into forcing people to, you know, have something that there really is a reason they don't like it. (laughs) No, definitely not. And I think that sometimes where people can fall down with their choices is they – you know, society is sometimes a really hard thing to survive in. You know, there's a lot of influences on our food. I mentioned a lot of them before, but there's also food marketing. There's also the role modelling of our parents, which can be really positive and it can be really negative as well sometimes. Um, so there's a lot of influences on our food and I think it comes down to really identifying what the reason is that you feel you have to eat that food and looking at, well, is that actually something that is a priority to me or is that actually something that... I can do without in my life because at the end of the day food is our fuel and it's not supposed to be a source of stress but yeah. unfortunately these days it, it really be. often is yeah, yeah. Well, so why don't you tell us about uh, so if somebody here um has maybe decided new resolution or whatever that they're going to that they want to lose some weight this year or they're going to eat healthier or maybe they've said I'm going to go on a diet they know that perhaps they eat too much sugary food and that they should eat more <laughs> fruit and vegetables yep. like what's your advice on on that yeah so again I think it's a really complex issue and first and foremost is addressing that diet word so if you google diet definition the actual noun is just an eating pattern so we've really put a lot of associations with the word diet in our um, culture you know we talk about diet as a way of usually restricting ourselves is tends to be the connotation that people put on it and Often there's always, um, I guess, a time frame on diet and most of the evidence around diets, this probably isn't going to be a happy fact, but most of them show us that they fail after about two to five years. Um, That's not to say that it's all bad news. It's just recognising that a diet is just our way of eating. And so what we actually really need to focus on is making everyday sustainable, healthy choices. So um, we talked a lot last night about... um, looking at, well, if, say, you did make a New Year's resolution to eat healthier or to lose weight, it's really unpacking that as to 
what is actually the outcome that I want here? And we were also talking about how we connect this to the fact that we're in church. And so I gave the example with Kirsty of, um, you know, we always say, oh, I really want to be a good Christian. It's like, okay, that's a good goal, but how do we actually unpack that? You know, we know um, and we learn that there are lots of different behaviours. So you could say, well, I think a good Christian is someone that goes to church every Sunday, that prays every day and reads the Bible every day. They're three pretty big goals that can be sometimes really hard to achieve. And as someone who's newly come back into church, that's something that I couldn't have done that all at once. And so I would link that, I guess, as an analogy to um, a diet or that big overarching goal that people have of lose weight, get to 50 kilos, um, you know, something like that, which is often really big, really unrealistic. um, And where do you even start? You know, that's so overwhelming. So I guess the take-home message from that is really about breaking it down into looking at health behaviours. So we also know from the research that weight is actually quite unhelpful. Um, For a lot of people, it puts a number on something that then can become such a fixation that you forget that, you know, you've been on on a diet and you're feeling really great, you've got heaps of energy, you get on the scales and nothing's changed. And how defeated do you feel? You know, you've made all this amazing change and you've made some really healthy choices in your life and you think, that damn number, it still hasn't moved, I'm going to give up. And how sad is that, that you are measuring all this amazing change... On that one thing. On that that one thing. On that one thing. And I think that's the really important thing is um, that it's about healthy behaviours. It's not about um, using some sort of arbitrary measure to justify our worth and our health um, because you just can't do it. You know, we look around this room and we've got a really wonderful diversity of body shapes, body sizes, um, people's eating, you know, we've got different cultures. People in in this room probably eat lots of different things and it's really important to value that um, and look at how your values as a person and how your choices in your food make you feel for your overall health because we know that... Setting goals, um, for example, weight loss is the most common one, can have really detrimental effects from a psychological and an emotional perspective. So it's really important to um, put your psychological and emotional well-being as a priority also and say, well, actually, what is maybe the reason that I want to lose weight? Is it because um, I remember a client who told me that all she wanted to do was be able to ride her bike with her kids and she felt that at the moment she was, um, her size was limiting her from doing that. And so really her goal is to be more physically active and to be able to join in with her kids. Yeah. And actually that has nothing to do with her weight. That has to do with how she's feeling, how she's moving. Maybe she's got some limitations with her body that are stopping her from riding a bike. So I guess it's about really reflecting and unpacking what is behind that goal. And sometimes that can be really hard because there's a lot of... Um, there can be a lot of um, trauma or guilt or um, a lot of fear around that reflection. I think one really, one thing that we do really well as Christians is reflect and sort of, um, well, pray over those sorts of things and get some guidance on it. And I think that's something that we have to be really brave and courageous in doing is really reflecting on why are we setting those goals? You know, are we just setting them because... We think we should. We think we should. (laughs) Yeah. Because if so, I can sadly probably guarantee you now that that New Year's resolution will be another one that you just wave by to in February or so. (laughs) Um, And that, you know, it's not not really um, providing any value to your life. So 
it's really important and, you know, Bianca did talk about this last week as well in terms of goal setting and a vision. You don't just set a mission statement and then never unpack it or you reflect that reason why. But when it comes to our health and our weight in particular, people are so good at setting this vision and never actually looking at why is that important and is it realistic and something that will actually be of value. Yeah, Yeah. and what small steps they can take to get there. Yeah, exactly. tackle one thing at a time. Yeah, Yeah. because, you know, we know that, um, again, the research tells us that only about 4% of Australians eat the recommended number of vegetables per day. So usually if someone says, what's just one thing I can work on, I'd say, well, that's probably a good place to start unless you're one of those 4%. Um, You know, most people can eat more vegetables. Most people could, um, you know, maybe try to... I don't know, move their body every day rather than just every couple of days. There are lots of things that are a bit more beneficial in terms of health-promoting behaviours that you can work towards. Yeah, than just setting this goal for... Yeah. Certain weight. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and you could get to that, and actually, that could be unhealthy. Yeah. <laughs> it might it be could. the wrong goal. Yeah. Well, we <laughs> talked about that, and I often use Dylan as his example because I mean, Dylan and I, are, you know, he's pretty short and we're nearly the same size. And, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, if at home I tried to give. Dylan, for those who don't know, he's my six foot seven fiance in the crowd over there. <laughs> he's much bigger than I am. And um, I guess if we tried to eat the same thing or we set similar goals, it'd just be a big mess. Either he'd be starving and start yeah. to look start to look a little bit skeletal. Yes. Or, you know, I would just be absolutely full to bursting and I just I couldn't eat that much. So, yeah. you know, it's really important to reflect on yourself as a person, your lifestyle, what time you have. Um We even talked with James about how something that's really important to you with James is that he eats a meal with the family. Yeah. And so, you know, you've got to take those things into account when you're looking at your diet. Um, And it's really about addressing, I guess, what you value and where does food and health fit into that. Yeah. Um, Tell us a bit more about that because that's something that you were saying is is really important to you and you want to get across. So, yeah, it's about about your values. So if your values are that, for example, for us, so we wanted to teach James um, that, you know, we sit down and have a meal together as a family. I know parents whose kids just snack throughout the day and... If that's fine for them, go ahead. But exactly. I wanted to teach him to that these are the times that we sit yeah. down together because otherwise we might sit down with a meal with people and he's not hungry because he's already eaten. Yeah. So tell us about our values, the times of day that we should eat or whether that is a thing that we should or, yeah. Should. Should, yeah. <laughs> Again, there's, should. Who says should? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's no rules. And, um, yeah, so that's a really good point. It is one that I wanted to bring up um, is that – I think often we, if we are making choices every day that align with our values, then we know that we're going to be pretty close to, you know, living our best life sort of thing. And we apply that idea in so many other areas of our life, but often people um, don't always apply it to food. One really great example is another member, another members of our congregation is Chris and Laura, and we had a really good chat about this. So they follow a, um, a vegan eating pattern. And that's something that they've seemed to have found relatively easy to sustain and something that has been really sustainable, really healthy for them and, um, you know, they really enjoy eating that way. And I guess if you look at that decision, you could say, oh, but vegan seems so hard. You know, I love ice cream, I love cheese, I love bacon, um, all of those things. But for them, it's really a values-based choice. You know, it's it's about um, animals and their treatment. It's about how we 
care for the world around us. And so because those choices are aligned with their values, that's actually a really sustainable dietary choice for them because the choices that they're making every day with their food, it becomes the easy choice because it's something that they value really highly. And I guess similarly, that's when, um, you know, if you, if you value, on reflection, if you value your health really highly, then you, sh um, then you can bring your day-to-day -day choices in line with that value. Yeah. And that's not to say that everybody has to value their health as yeah. priority one. You know, there, yeah. there are some people that don't. And, and that's absolutely fine. You know, that, that's not a problem. It's just about being honest with yourself about where your values lie and then every day making choices that reflect that. Yep. Um, and that's similar to what you said, I think, is that, um, you know, as you said, your, your value there that you're talking about is that you value structure and yep. you value routine and that's yep. something that you would like to pass on to your son. Yep. And by doing so, that's your choice. Yep. Um, similarly, other people, like if, if we're talking about children, um, there's also that idea of grazing and baby-led weaning throughout the day. Um, so, you know, for some people that's absolutely fine because yep. what they might value more is for their child to discover a sense of independence or a sense of adventure around their food or yep. they may want their child to... Um, just be responding to whenever they're hungry through the day. And that yeah. might work for one child and not for yeah. another. So yeah. it's really about, as I said a little while ago, it's really about being honest with yourself and reflecting on where your values lie and then yeah. how your food aligns with that. Because yeah. we do eat regularly during the day. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that was the other thing you said was timing. <laughs> yeah, well, tell us, uh, tell us about breakfast. Because some people don't <laughs> like eating breakfast. I yes. cannot start the day if I haven't ate, eaten breakfast. Um, but I know that there are people who just don't eat breakfast and they feel some, I know sometimes people feel guilty about that. They're like, uh, you know, everybody says you should eat breakfast. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? I think that's really true. And I, again, I would ask you guys to have a think about where you might have got that message from. So where does this message come from that we should eat breakfast? Like if we look at some popular brands, um, wheat bix Nutri-Grain come to mind, you know, about starting the day, being a wheat bix kid, how many do you do? Yeah. They're really ingrained with us from a it's very young age. It's actually all advertising, is it? Uh, yes. Oh, no, you work in advertising. <laughs> no, <it's>, oops. <laughs> um, Not on that side, but, so it's okay. I don't come up with the ads. But if you look at those sort of messages, I guess it's really ingrained with us. You know, who... I don't know who decided we should eat cereal and toast for breakfast, but there it is. They've become breakfast foods. You know, they have their own section at the supermarket. Yeah. Has anyone ever travelled to Asia and ever yeah. eaten cereal or toast for breakfast in Asia if you're having a traditional breakfast? No, they have don't. They miso soup, and, yeah. eggs, noodles, all sorts of wonderful things. So it's really important to recognise um, where the influences on our food choices are coming from. And again, that's not to say they're all bad. Like, I had toast for breakfast this morning. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I that's had cereal fun. and I thoroughly enjoyed Good it. Good on us. I could eat cereal for breakfast, lunch and dinner though. <laughs> well, you could. <laughs> Nobody's stopping you, you know. You're an adult Done. and you make your choices. Um, but similarly, I guess breakfast, lunch and dinner, like anything, time is a construct that we put in as a society and for me, my dad is an excellent example of this. He drives trucks and his um, day does not run like any of ours. You know, sometimes he might eat dinner 
at 3 a.m. in the morning. And that's just because that's where his day is. So it's really just a time of day and there's no need to eat um, if you're not hungry, if you don't want it, if it doesn't work for you in your schedule. Um, like often, because I like quite like going and exercising in the morning, so I don't eat when I first wake up because I can't then exercise if I've just eaten. And that's something that's personal for me. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's really important to look at, yeah, what, where that fits in for you and why you feel you're eating. Um, and that sort of links into, I guess, how well do we know our hunger and our satiety cues? Like, I wonder if I asked around the room, do people know what hunger looks like for them? And often when you explore this with people one-on-one, -on -one, often they have no idea. Um, whereas you could ask a child, I can guarantee most of the children will be like, yeah, I know when I'm hungry. Most of the parents know when the children are hungry. <laughs> you know, they're hangry. really... Hangry. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Hunger and anger are not a good combination. Um, you know, that's something that we, unfortunately, we lose a lot as we get older because we really buy into what society tells us our eating pattern should be or Dylan, again, using him as an example at school, like he can't... He has to eat at recess and lunchtime because that's when the students eat and otherwise he's working. He can't just say, oh, sorry, kids, I'm hungry now. We're just going to stop this science lesson. Yeah. You know, so sometimes you can't do that and that's fair enough. But um, it's hunger is a real signal that we, we're pretty good at ignoring and we shouldn't always ignore it. Um, we sometimes need to learn how to tune into it a little bit better. Um, and again, I was telling Kirsty my example of um, anybody when they need to go to the toilet, unless there's an external reason that you can't like there isn't a toilet you know would you ever just ignore it um, and not go to the toilet probably not but if you're feeling hungry you know you might have read in a magazine that chewing gum helps so you might go oh I don't want to eat it's not lunchtime yet I better go get some chewing gum or or the classic that my mum always told me I'll just have a drink you'll be fine <laughs> has anyone else heard that one I don't know if that one's that common um, but there are many things that we do to actually ignore our hunger because we really treat it as a bit of a bad thing. Yeah. But really, it's our body's way of telling us that our body needs something. Yeah. Um, and so it's really important to get tuned back in to your body and listening to when it's hungry yep. and also when it's full and it does take time <laughs> to get full. Yeah. So, Dylan, slow down when you're eating. <laughs> <laughs> We're spending too much money on food. <laughs> Brendan said his mum has always told him to, to chew more. Yeah, but and that's it, because it my he, uncle chews like 40 he just, times. <laughs> he just downs it so quickly sometimes. Yeah. We've been teaching James lately actually to make sure he chews and swallows because he would start chewing some foods and not chew them well enough and then just spit them out. And we decided, <laughs> it was funny for a while, we decided, no, that's not appropriate anymore. So we say, James, remember, chew, chew, chew and swallow. You go, do, 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 whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sorry. a good one. I think we should all put that in place. <laughs> yeah. um, but you're right. It's really about chewing and sometimes when you're eating really quickly, you know, maybe you're eating in front of the TV, maybe you're eating at work yeah. um, and you're not actually mindfully paying attention to your food. Yeah. And sometimes that can play into um, ongoing unhealthy food choices because there's this great exercise that I remember I did at some training around mindful eating and they give you one Smartie and you think, what am I going to do with this? It's one tiny bit of chocolate. You know, you need a good handful of those to, <laughs> to really enjoy them. But you have to basically make the Smartie last as long as you can. You have to write down how it smells, how it looks, how it tastes. Does yeah. it dissolve on your tongue? 
and you have a really good experience with this Smarty and you think, damn, I really enjoyed that chocolate. <laughs> you know, and then you think, but actually I'm, I'm quite satisfied. And then you think, how silly is this? I just had one little yeah. Smarty but I've paid so much attention to it that I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I think, again, that's one thing in our really busy society that we just lose that real appreciation of food. Yeah. Um, and fast food is a great example of that. You know, you can scoff McDonald's pretty easily and probably if you took the time to really enjoy it, you might either feel more satisfied, it might taste better, might taste worse. Who knows? <laughs> you might realise that you don't actually want to be eating. <laughs> yeah, you might. You might. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of, I guess, there's a lot of things in our culture that encourage us to eat quickly and, yeah. and just get it down um, yeah. and we really lose that hungry, full and mindful eating. Yeah, that's good. The other thing we talked about was the idea behind good and bad foods. Yes. Tell us about that. Who loves I know describing that's food as good and bad? <laughs> Does food have any morals? That is my question for you. <laughs> like I know there are things that are bad, like it's bad to kill somebody. We know that's bad. It's good to love people and be friendly. Yep. I don't know that food can fit in those categories. Like, do we really want to put chocolate cake in that bad category over there with crime? No, because on your birthday, chocolate cake is a fabulous idea. Um, and so it's always, I find it really interesting, you know, as a dietitian, when you're at a party or a gathering, as soon as you say, I'm a dietitian, you sort of brace yourself for Everybody going, oh, don't look at me. I'm being so bad. I'm eating a pizza. I'm like, I've just eaten three pieces of pizza. We're at a party. <laughs> um, and, you know, that people have this real um, – there's a real guilt and shame around food yeah. and this real idea that um, unhealthy foods are somehow bad and we're really naughty for eating them. People say, oh, I ate a block of chocolate last night. It was so naughty. And I'm like, oh. I had a block of chocolate last night and I loved it. It was my favourite <laughs> chocolate and I really enjoyed it and it was great. Um, you, know, and, you know, you can then move on from it without actually being so stuck on that block of chocolate that you go into the next day and you think, oh, now I've got to eat a green juice for breakfast, <laughs> salad with balsamic dressing and a piece of salmon for dinner. No more chocolate. No more. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that makes your next day really not that pleasant. Um, well, and so you didn't really enjoy the time that you had with the chocolate either. You didn't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because you're just feeling guilty for it. So, Correct. Because you talked about, you know, and we talked about before, psychological mm. effects of food yeah. and, and the, the psychological side of it. Yeah. If you're, um, you know, emotionally and whatever, if you're just enjoying that moment and not feeling guilty, yeah. still knowing that it's not something you should... Yeah. Should. I, I, how do I stop saying that? I don't not know. We should have a little buzzer every time we do it in this thing. Not something that is a good idea to eat all of the time. It's a less nutritious <laughs> yes, choice. Yes, less nutritious choice. Yeah. That's good. We'll go with that. <laughs> and um, that's, I think, what's the important thing to realise is there isn't good and bad food because we can't attach morals. You know, it's not our job in this world to pass judgment on things for ourselves and for others. Um, but we can make nutritious choices and we can make less nutritious choices. Yeah. And as I said, if I tell you, for my birthday, I could, I did once eat nearly a whole cake. <laughs> um, and I always, I have a separate stomach for ice cream, you know. Yeah. And a lot of people can say, oh, but you're so healthy all the rest of the time. That's fine. You can do that. But it's not about, you know, it's not about being healthy sometimes and unhealthy, not 
actually a balance is really healthy and actually a really positive, loving relationship with food is really healthy. Yeah. Um, and so it's really about trying to get rid of these labels that we have on food, like poor chocolate. I, I know I've used chocolate a lot because it's a <laughs> really common food. one. But poor chocolate, it's had all these labels put on it and, you know, it's, it's something that we can enjoy sometimes and we can enjoy everything sometimes. As I said, there's no judgment that needs to be passed on yep. food or our bodies or or anything like yep. that yeah that just makes me think of my mum's group the um the CAFS nurse talked to us about um being role models for our children in all areas and food is is one um area where you can be a role model as well but she talked about um you know biscuits and chocolate being sometimes foods yeah <laughs> and you know you can teach your children that as what well sometimes <laughs> i don't know what is sometimes <laughs> I'm supposed to be the expert. Yeah, I can't what tell you what sometimes means. You know, it's different for everybody. For, well, I was going to say I would say that it d- depends on you and how you it does feel about it. And, and what sometimes, you know sometimes also can mean you know when they finances are something you're you're having a challenging time with, particularly if you've got kids. It might mean that sometimes it's once a month and it's a real treat and it's an experience because you go out. And I'm going to use ice cream now because that's my favourite. And you get to go down to the ice cream shop and you get to choose a big scoop of your favourite flavour. Well, that's a perfect sometimes. Or for another child maybe that is um, really active and, you know, they are playing sport every day, it might mean that their sometimes is a little bit different. It might be that after their sports training they have, you know, three lollies or something like that to give them a bit more extra energy to get them across the line to go home. That might be what works for that parent. So, again, it's looking at what actually is sometimes for us and you get to decide your own sometimes. Yeah, it's good. Um, I think just to to wrap up, we're going to have a look at a couple of um, scriptures that Nat and I talked on um, that we could kind of relate all of this to. First was Ecclesiastes um, 5, 18 to 19, which says, Even so, I have noticed one thing, at least, that that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And 19 says... And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. And 1 Corinthians 6.19 um, says, Do, Don't you realise that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Pause for effect. Is that, it? is that the end of it? Yes, that's the end of it. Okay, it's just... It, the sentence continues, but we haven't got that verse. All right, and Mark, to, so that that scripture actually, uh, if you don't know it, is actually about relating to sexual immorality. But I think that we can still relate that back to um, how God sees our bodies as important and something that He wants us to to look after. And Mark twelve thirty one, we talked about says this: the second is equal as Jesus talking about the commandments and summing them up into two. The second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So we talked about these things. I was, if you can maybe summarise for us, um, you know, how these relate to um, to thinking about ourselves, our bodies, and what it is that, that God actually 
wants us to do, which is to, to love ourselves and, and love others and how we can um, how we can do that, how we can go on yeah. from here with what we've learned. And, sure. Yeah. So I think to sum it up, that last passage is really important. It says, love our neighbours as ourselves. Um, and I guess often we are our own harshest critics. And a lot of what I've talked about today has been around our relationship with food and sometimes the negativity and guilt and shame we can bring to our relationship with food and our bodies. Um, so I think it's just really important to remember that God's love is unconditional. You know, and Chris, I actually thought you said it really well before. He loves us where we are now, but he's also really supportive of us continuing to grow in the future. And I think what's most important is that love where we are now. So whatever body shape, size we're in, whatever our relationship with food, whatever our choices, the important thing is God still loves us right now where we are. Um, you know, maybe there is some room for improvement in terms of really reflecting on our values, um, reflecting on our everyday choices and, you know, thinking, well, do they align with what I want them to be? And making sure that any decisions or any goals that we set are aligned with those values um, and aligned with what our priorities are for our life. And that might be health, it might be food, it might be physical activity, or it might not. And that's absolutely fine. You know, we're asked with um, to love our neighbours, to forgive them, um, to show grace, all of those things. So I guess um, our relationships with our bodies and with food are really complex. And so that would be where I would probably finish off is by saying to treat yourself with all those things as well, with love, forgiveness, grace. Show yourself those same things that you would show your neighbours because we have to start with that so that we can fulfil the purpose God has given us for our life. You know, we have to start with us sometimes before we can share that light and love with others. Yeah, good. Thank you very much. Yes, give them another hand. Come on, that was excellent. Thank you very much. You guys can... I can tell you, I feel so much better. I have ditched that New Year's resolution. I, <laughs> I am not going to try and get down to 50 kilos this year. <laughs> I think I'd have to chop both legs off to get there in the first place. But one of the, one of the before, before we uh, finish our service this morning... I just want to give people an opportunity to uh, reflect on their relationship with Jesus. And I think Nat actually brought a great point there when she talked about this whole idea of, of knowing ourselves well enough so that we know when we're hungry and when we're full. And that actually works in the spiritual sense as well, because I think as a, as a society, uh, as a, as a, as a westernised culture, we have actually grown to ignore the hunger in our spirits for God. And whether we actually know God or not, even because we know that God is pursuing every single person on this planet because He loves them. And yet we sort of do everything in our world. We have, we have devices to distract us. We have uh, all sorts of activities to distract us from actually detecting the hunger in our hearts for God's presence. And so I want to give you an opportunity this morning, if you've been listening to what uh, Kirsty and Natalie have been saying and, and relating it to, to your life and to what God has for your life. And you've recognised perhaps this morning that there is a hunger there. You don't actually know God, but there's, there's a hunger to actually know more. There's a hunger to actually have Him in your life. Then I want to 
offer you an opportunity this morning to actually satiate that hunger, to actually do something about that, to actually take on board the spiritual food that is Jesus Christ. And so what I'm going to ask you to do now, if I could ask everyone to stand. And I'm going to ask us all to pray a prayer to accept Jesus Christ into our lives. And we're going to do it together as a church. But if you're here this morning, and this is the first time you've prayed such a prayer, or it may be a time you've, you've prayed it before, you, you've uh, had a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you know that that relationship is, is a bit like your diet. It's gone out the window. But you, ne- you know you actually need to renew that relationship or whether you actually need to start a relationship to make sure that that hunger in, uh, of need in your, in your spirit is actually met, then Jesus wants to come into your heart, but he'll only do it through invitation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask us all to pray that prayer. If you're praying it this morning for the first time or you're praying it knowing that you're coming back into a relationship with Jesus, what I want you to do is after the service, Vicky and I will be down the front to pray for people for, the, for five or ten minutes after the service. And what I'd like you to do, if that's you, is to make your way down to us and let us know that you have made that decision this morning and we will help you with the next steps in your journey with Jesus Christ. Is that okay? Does that work? Okay, let's pray. Mighty God, from this moment on, I proclaim myself a child of God. I am going to follow you and no other. I am changing my life with this decision and becoming a new person. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen.